This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Great to be together. we got a really interesting interview coming up with my friend Armstrong Williams. Armstrong Williams is a, well, he's, a, he's an American original. He is, um, owns a couple of television stations, maybe more than a couple, three or four. He has his own television program, nationally syndicated on Sinclair television stations, and also does a local show in the Washington, D.C. area. Was a close personal friend, is a close, close personal friend of Ben and Candy Carson, played a role in Ben Carson's campaign for president, and worked uh, in the Reagan administration. Anyway, fascinating guy, with, happens to be African-American, if you don't know him by name, Armstrong Williams. We'll talk to him about the nature of what's happening in this country. So, and coming up in a few moments. So look forward to that. Again, it's Ed Martin. Great to be together. It's the uh, Pro-America Report. Please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Tune in there. Go over there and sign up for the daily email and also all these great interviews we're doing. We'll also talk in a few moments about classical education uh, with Jeremy Tate, an uh, interesting man, about what's happening in education. As I said to someone um, about this, I think the education issue is so top of mind for people, both in terms of the, say, 1776 versus 1619, you know, which is America, uh, but also, you know, now we have it in California. Governor Newsom has said every student that goes to school must wear a mask, even though the CDC says students don't have to wear masks. Um, so, you know, well, what's going on here? I thought you're supposed to follow the science if you're a liberal Democrat, but we'll find out uh, more about that in a moment. All right, here's the phrase I want to use with you for today's What You Need to Know, the Daily Wink. It's this, what are they hiding? What are they hiding? And I'll tell you a little secret. I'm over in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I'm in Maricopa County uh, on some business. And um, I am over here. And in the next, hmm, I don't know, 24 to 48 hours, you're going to see a lot more information about Maricopa County and the 2020 election. You're starting to see more information come out about the uh, Fulton County, Georgia election. And here's the question. This was posed to me by none other than General Michael Flynn. He said, what are they hiding? Why is it that people are fighting so vociferously against audits? What is it about people having doubts about an election that is making the left go crazy? Joe Biden traveled to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to say that efforts to pass laws that ensure election integrity are the greatest threat to America since the Civil War. What is it? What are they hiding? What exactly are they hiding? Have you wondered? We already have the public admission. They were bragging about it in, the, uh, in Time magazine about a bunch of activists who were paid and it was well-funded to do what they called, quote, fortifying the election, end quote, which included hundreds of thousands of lawyers and efforts to change the laws and have governors change the rules and adjust the signature verification, change the pickups for ballot boxes, these so-called drop boxes, all this kind of stuff. They bragged about all that. Now, they say it's legal. They say it's legal and necessary to increase the ability of people to vote. And yet, if you're someone like Governor Abbott of Texas and the Texas legislature, who are saying, hey, we're going to pass some laws to protect the integrity because we're worried about it. Somehow you're the ones that are wrong. My point here is, what are they hiding? Why not audit the elections? I, I am not in the group that says that I can see 
how anything could be changed because the Constitution operated. I, you know, when you look at the Constitution, it had a system. And unless we can find out that there's wrongdoing of such a size and scope, and maybe that's what they're afraid of. But right now, let's get to the bottom of it. Fully, fully 75% of Republicans believe the 2020 election was off base and close to 58% of Democrats in one poll at least have said that they're worried about the election in 2020. Something was done wrong. In other words, we have a voter confidence problem. We have a problem with confidence in our election system. Why not address that? What are they hiding? And what I'm hearing out of Maricopa County, and there'll be a hearing, I think it's uh, Thursday morning, uh, there'll be a major hearing at the state Senate that Arizona that has uh, commissioned the audit is going to have a hearing. And what they found is significant irregularities. Is it a sign of crime? Nobody's saying that yet. Is it a sign of fraud? Can't be sure of that yet. But what, what in a systematic audit of the ballots, we're talking 2.1 million registered, I think it's 2.1 million ballots cast in um, in. Uh, in Maricopa County. It's a big, big county. You know, Phoenix and the surrounding areas. So we're talking about a major undertaking. And as they've audited it, they've got some irregularities. And nobody knows yet what that means. But what are they hiding? What if, you, if, you, if anybody has children or anybody just has friends or colleagues, if someone won't answer the question, gets defensive, starts to push, you just say, what are they hiding? It could be nothing. Let me be the first to say it could be nothing. It could be just that they're annoyed that they don't want to have to go through this. But Joe Biden, the president of the United States, is going up to Philadelphia to give a canned speech, calling it the greatest threat to America since the Civil War. Then he finishes and he goes back to the White House. And I think he signed either an executive order or he just put out a press release that said, I'm directing the Department of Justice to investigate any states that are passing laws to protect election integrity. Now, here's where we get into a little bit. Let's be adults about it. If you're saying I want a photo ID for elections, are you saying that you want to stop some people from voting? Well, most people that say photo ID requirement for elections would say everybody should have a photo ID anyway, so let's help them get one. But even if you assume that there's some people that won't be able to vote, that still isn't, um, that's not a reason automatically that the law is unjust or improper, right? I mean, we do have laws that say 15-year-olds can't vote. Why are 15-year-olds not allowed to vote? 15-year-olds can go to the store, they can go to the movies, they can go to school, or even better, make it, uh, make it 17-year-olds. Why can't a 17-year-old who can have a driver's license, who can get a job, they're not allowed to vote? And the reason why is because we pass laws, and the laws are designed to have the system work, the system will work with the maximum integrity and the maximum effectiveness, and you make decisions. So is it really true in 2021 that laws that protect integrity of elections, or let's say it differently, a law that a state passes that they want to pass for election integrity includes a photo ID, is it true, therefore, that that is somehow a threat to our nation akin to the Civil War? And by the way, the Supreme Court said last week, by a 6-3 to three majority, that you can pass these kinds of laws. So what's happening here? And what's happening here, as I've told you before, is we're watching the narrative machine try to tell people what's false is true and what's true is false. So that the narrative machine is trying to say, oh my gosh, 
We have Republicans in states like Texas that are passing these incredibly difficult laws. They're so hard and they're mean and they affect African Americans and America's a racist country and white supremacy, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to investigate using the power of big government. And if you're normal America, you're out there working or whatever, that's all you hear. Maybe you think it's true, especially if it's about the thousandth time you've been told it. But if you're actually looking at it and you're in Texas, you say, huh. We've had irregularities. Dallas County had a bunch of problems. We've had the problems with illegals, especially because the border is so poros. And we're going to have some photo ID requirements and other requirements. And we think that'll be the most effective way uh, to, to control our elections, to protect our elections. That's what America allows. That's the system. And what are they hiding? What are they hiding that they're protesting so hard? So I will say again what I've said before. And that is, when, when and if the Republicans ever get control of the House or Senate, they should immediately form a select committee, like Pelosi did for January 6th, and they should have the select committee put out subpoenas and get to the bottom of the 2020 election. Again, if you don't want to believe that there's any way to change the election, fine. I'll agree with you for now. But at least let's get to the bottom of it, because until we get to the bottom of it, when somebody's acting paranoid... And, and they look like they're hiding something, it makes you want to get to the bottom of it even more. And then let's find out. And then let's make a judgment. Seems like the best thing we can do, and it's for two reasons, right? One, if somebody did something wrong, hold them accountable. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. My old friend, I can say that now, Armstrong Williams. I can say my old friend. My old friend Armstrong Williams joins me, and uh, he is someone I, I asked him about a month ago, I think it was. I said I'd been on his program. He, he has a nationally syndicated show. He does a, a local show. He's also a businessman who owns a couple of uh, media properties, as they say. And I said to him maybe a month ago, because I've been on his show a bunch of times, I said, you know, you must really have a sense of how the media has changed and what's happened in our country in, say, the last, not just the last five years, although it's been big, but in the last, say, 10, 15, 20 years in terms of the media. So I'm grateful to welcome Armstrong Williams to the program. How are you today, Armstrong? Excellent. And how are you, brother? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So tell me, you've been a businessman as well as a journalist, an on-air guy as well as a producer. What's the, how do you describe where we are in 2020? Um, where are we uh, in 2020? It's a tale of two cities. You ever heard that? <laughs> yeah. It's really a, a tale of two cities. Um, you know, I, I, I just think, um, you know, you know, the Democrats are going to lose the House in 2020, uh, in 2020, in the next midterm election. Right. Uh, um, and the Republicans are going to probably gain the Senate back. Um, Trump is as strong as ever despite all the investigations, the witch hunts. Um, January 6th, he's stronger than ever. Um, the GOP um, uh, is going to have to deal with him in their system for the next three or four elections, and that's not all good. This comes a price with President Trump. Mm -hmm. President Biden really doesn't have a foreign policy, doesn't know what to do with the border. It's all out of control. Doesn't know how they handle the Russians. You don't know whether he's really running the country or not. Um, the Chinese are still building because they see a a wrinkle uh, and that they can take advantage of. 
in American culture. Most Americans know that no foreign enemy could never defeat us um, outside of the United States, but the defeat is started within the United States from these transgender bathrooms um, to this Me Too movement that really doesn't have any kind of purpose anymore, um, to this cancel culture and big tech having too much power. And, and then you have people like Zuckerberg and the billionaires meeting. They're like oligarchs. They have so much power <laughs> that you can be reigned in. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then all of a sudden you've got this Delta variant back. It's going to give these government people a chance to further try to control and have a um, um, control and a monopoly uh, to bring these masks back again. We can see it all um, taking shape. Uh, and then the, the left has this strange, eerie, and arguably criminally motivated obsession with this disseminating list of their enemies under the guise of ad generating and publicizing these lists from the public records. They put the careers and lives of those who work for the Trump administration at risk, all in the pursuit of spite and hate, which nobody calls them out on. Mm-hmm. And the Trump administration, uh, is, is, and, and Trump has been out of office for nearly a half a year. At, and at this point, uh, it is clear that the mainstream media outlets who have relied so heavily on their spy for reporting on Trump for four years have come to the realization they can't survive without it. <laughs> it's really it's really true. We're talking with Armstrong Williams again. He hosts a nationally syndicated show on uh, Sin- the Sinclair Network, also a local one. And, and, and as I mentioned, is a is a, a businessman and owns media properties. Armstrong, pausing for a second. T- tell me about your because, again, you've been in television and you've been writing and you've been in radio and, and related to policy and politics. But but you, so you can observe this big tech, the rise of big tech in the last call it decade and then accelerating the last two or three years the dominance that they have in terms of influencing what people see and and therefore what they know and frankly what they do i mean it's um it's pretty uh stunning but what's how do you see it you know with some of your perspective i think big tech is dragging us towards a financial crash um the biggest platforms to me are new kind of monopoly ed at least lawmakers have figured out um, that it's a problem. Um, um, I don't know if you remember when Zuckerberg testified on Capitol Hill a few years ago. Um, it was embarrassing exercise in congressional cluelessness, if you think about it. Um, they, they, you heard of this cliche called dodging. Yeah. Uh, the American political elite who sometimes seem confused the messenger with the passenger pigeon would uh, never have the savage to keep up with the dining. It's the dynamism of big tech, let alone regulate it. They don't really understand it. They, they are just they really understand. They really didn't understand what was going on at the time because Congress gets kicked so often for this doldish premium that it seems a great miracle when it actually does its job. And so big tech has made it a maneuver them, take advantage of them. And I think what's really happening ever since the election of Donald Trump, which revealed the rampant manipulation of social media, the backlash against Silicon Valley has often felt shapeless. Think about it. It's often has been shapeless, Ed, because these companies have tendrils extended into seemingly every aspect of American life. The complaints against them have sprawled, and it's going to even sprawl more and more and more. They have been criticized for this insensitivity, 
to privacy, their role in the proliferation of misinformation, which nobody really wants to talk about enough, their cozy relationship with China, their creation of addictive products, their tax avoidance schemes, and so on. And you think about this, Ed, with such a boundless litany of attacks, the companies have benefited from their critics' failure to focus their arguments. Yeah, and uh, we're talking with Armstrong Williams. No, I couldn't agree more. And I think, again, your perspective as a guy who's been in uh, in media for a couple decades before uh, this uh, onslaught is, I think, really important because a lot of us see it from, you know, where we are, you know, kind of from the outside. You've seen it from the inside. Armstrong, we're talking with Armstrong Williams, again, uh, a well-known commentator, also uh, uh, worked, I think, did you work, I, when you were, I, there's a famous photo of you with um, Reagan. Were you ever in the actual Reagan White House? I know you, you sort of, that was when you got sort of a higher profile, but did you work in the Reagan White House or was that just some of the leadership you were doing? No, I was appointed by Reagan. I worked at the Department of Agriculture in oh. at the plant, Animal Plant Health and Inspection Services because it played to my background as a farmer. Hmm, gotcha. Okay. Um, so now, let me ask you before we run out of time. Again, Armstrong Williams are talking to him and I'll put up on social media links to his stuff and the work he's doing in the different places, but Armstrong, we're at a point where even the the, the, the other night, the, um, the, uh, the um, Home Run Derby uh, the, the, the Japanese-American Otani lost in the first round, but there was a wonderful article about how he's such a spectacular player. And in the last paragraph, an otherwise sane sports writer throws in the fact that in a nation that's torn uh, by violence and hate against Asian-Americans, it's such a relief that he had a great night or whatever it was. And I thought, even the sports writers have to just sort of race bait. And, you know, Armstrong, and people may not know because we're doing radio, Armstrong Williams happens to be an African-American man. I mean, you know, so... It, it, if you'd have a perspective again, they want to say this country is just torn by race, torn by uh, racism, and uh, besides, forget about the history. I don't care about the debate. I mean, I care about 1776 versus 1619. I'm talking about being a human being walking around. It's not a perfect place. It was a per. We need a more perfect union. But it, it, how do you handle this sort of calling America in 2021 such a hellhole of racism and and uh, and mistreatment? You know, I, I, you know, uh, I guess I should say this more often. And you know, you know, I'm no longer in radio. We're on television stations, network television stations across the country. Right. But in my offices around the world, whether it's the hotel, whether it's the broadcast industry, and whether it's real estate, we do not celebrate diversity. We celebrate excellence. Each person in our companies has something unique and remarkable to bring to the table that is completely disconnected from their immutable characteristics. Every day, um, I have the privilege to work with these wonderful people. I'm not interested in a race, their gender, or any other surface level trait of theirs. I see what they have to offer. The luxury I'm afforded by doing this is the luxury of focusing on what is important, which consequently, Ed, gives me the opportunity to also bring to my viewers the important issues without the racial drivel that others inject into the same stories. And so in observing the present state of racial divide, I've come to recognize that when we focus on concerns of race and gender, we neglect to address the most pressing issues. And what happens is that, Ed, all too often, mm -hmm. the media tries to infuse race into important issues that are totally unrelated to race. And when they do that, the important issues seemingly transform to absurdities simply due to the means by which the media characterizes them. And so if you think that we look different, that is only because you are choosing to see our surface level differences. But I see something deeper. 
even with you and I, I see something unique individuals with unique life experiences. I challenge all of us to do the same. The remarkable people that I work with and the remarkable people that we bring on our shows, we, they work hard every day, like yourself, to bring stories that people need to be heard, that need to hear, and t- stories that need to be told. And because of so many of our dedications to the truth and facts over this peripheral and often immaterial issues, we are able to parse through the stories and tell you the truth, not what we want you to hear. And that's what all America should be about, because when it's all said and done, Americans really don't care about this racial dribble and the fact that they're trying to tell us that we're bigoted and we're racist and we're white wing and we don't care about people. We like them. We don't like them bad. Americans understand what it is. It's politics. It's a cottage industry. It's a construct by man. And we can get on. We get on our daily lives, build families, build institutions and continue to build America into that shining city on the hill. Well, and I, I, I will say, let me finish and I will run out of time, Armstrong. But I, one of the ways that I know Armstrong is through some mutual friends. Uh, and, and when you're and people don't even know this, Ben Carson, a guy named Terry Giles, who's been on your program, Armstrong Williams, uh, I think Clarence Thomas, even there's an organization called the Horatio Alger Society that started back in the 40s, maybe 50s by, uh, among other people, Norman Vincent Peale, that highlights the men and women in America that come from nothing, that sort of up by your bootstraps, uh, uh, you know, kind of dream and succeed uh, in, in nearly every way. And, and when you see these folks together, you have all different sizes, stripes, colors, genders, everything, and and opinions on politics. But the one thing they have is a sort of an optimism that um, that the human being is made in the image and likeness of God, most of them, and but more importantly, is made to succeed. And we can all figure it out. And we can find our ways, and so uh, I salute you, Armstrong. Thank you for your uh, for your uh, generosity to me and others uh, with all the ways we can communicate through your media uh, empire. And uh, we'll have you on again. I got to run. Thank you, Armstrong. Thank you. All right, we'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We are back talking with our friend Jeremy Wayne Tate. Uh, Jeremy Wayne Tate, I would say, is an educator. If you look at him, follow him on Twitter, at JeremyTate41. I was looking at a bunch of his uh, writings and his commentary on there. One I was smiling about, I didn't realize this, was that uh, he was co-author of an op-ed with Cornell West. Now, I've, I've always um, admired Cornell West. I don't always agree with his politics, but he's a heck of a writer and he's a heck of a, a guy. And so that was really cool jeremy to see that so uh welcome back to the program and uh let's uh, let's talk a little bit about, about education you you had a tweet i think i guess it was a week or so ago i re- i wrote it down it's one of the reasons we got in touch to talk because you wrote this i would be depressed about the future of america if i didn't spend so much time around the classical education renewal movement quietly out of the view of the mainstream media a revolution is starting i see it homeschooling fa- in, in homeschooling families and the classical schools i visit just wait. So that was actually it's more than that. It's uh, in late June, so a few weeks ago. Um, tell me more, because it feels like everybody's fighting over the public schools and the school boards and CRT, and it doesn't seem very. Uh, it seems pretty, pretty depressing. Yeah, Ed, thanks again for having me on the program. It's incredible, you know, what's happening. I mean, there, there's a renewal movement happening with people returning to the great tradition, returning to the classics, returning to the tried and true. I think people are sick and tired of experimenting on our kids with education, you know, uh, tr- trying new teaching philosophies that are often younger than these, than these children are. Um, and so we're seeing this in the homeschool world. 
the Catholic school world, the Christian school world, the charter world, uh, people saying, you know what? America's founders had an incredible education. What were they doing? And they're, they're reintroducing it here, and it's starting to go national. And it's very exciting. So it's my question i've been my, my listeners know i've been saying this that a lot of times you see people get excited over education issues and i'll go back five years or so the common core uh question people suddenly realized wait it looks like they've been developing a sort of centralized curriculum that is going to put our kids on track I'm, I'm i'm way too i'm simplifying but i'm common core you know parents suddenly thought wait a second why is somebody designing a system that seems to track my kids put them in tracks in ways that don't you know aren't what i would like them to decide in other words it feels like some bureaucrats are deciding mm-hmm. and a big fight over it and then everybody stopped and you know for every candidate that ran for president as a republican including president trump said i will stop common core the truth is mm. nothing really changed they changed the name a little bit i feel like the same thing with crt crt is a is a is a, is a description now of what has been happening to our schools for 30 or 40 years and frankly it's worse because it's so graphically racist and all but it's not actually it's kind of like a it's kind of like a culmination it's not so new and so my question is are you is your optimism that there's a movement into into new schools and homeschooling uh is it well placed i I worry that it's um it's kind of a passing uh fancy yeah you know and and without getting into the 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 debate around critical race theory uh i i think ed you know there's something really important going on with why we're seeing this. And I think what's happened is that there's a void, right? We've removed tradition. We've removed uh, these timeless texts. We've removed core knowledge uh, from mainstream K-12 education. And something needs to fill the void, right? And so that's why, I mean, CRT is one of many, many things that have been introduced trying to fill the void of what are we even here to do? What's the point of education? Uh, And so I think that that's part of it. But I, I do think that there's, and I think COVID in some ways has been in some ways, a blessing that people could never have, have, have seen coming and that parents saw what their students were actually doing. They saw a lack of substance. They saw politically biased, you know, nonsense being pushed through textbooks. And they said, I want something better. And then when they looked on the Internet, they found a whole host of, of classical curriculum providers, homeschool options, groups like Classical Conversations, Classical Academic Press. These are, are absolutely busting at the, at the seams. When you look at a charter organization like Great Hearts, they've got a waiting list longer than every, than, bigger than every single school they have in the network. And it's the same way in Florida. I haven't met a classical charter school in Florida that doesn't have a waiting list of several hundred students. So parents are demanding this. Parents are recognizing that this is the kind of education that gave birth to the West. It's the kind of education that gave birth to universities themselves. And it's been lost and it's been replaced by a bunch of new age kind of nonsense. And I think I can say that without getting into the political realm too much. There's no substance, (laughs) right? Right. There's no substance. Yeah, again, we're talking uh, about education, and our guest is Jeremy Wayne Tate. And uh, I want to make sure at Jeremy Tate 41, also at CLT underscore exam, one of the things that you have uh, and operate is a a company. Actually, I think I know that it's kind of two companies, or at least it's two efforts when you look at it. One is uh, CLT and CLI, and the idea is classic learning initiatives, which is the one you did, and then some uh, testing, I think. So, um, and people can learn more about it 
I'll put it up on social media, cltexam.com. Uh, but Jeremy is, um, it, it, so here, here's a, here, uh, I've been reading about a, an author, a Hungarian born who died in San Diego in the 80s, and he critiqued the middle class. He said, look, the, the, in Hungary, the communists took over in the 40s and they were recognizable, but he critiqued the middle class for giving up on the notion of uh, European, he was talking about Europe, European culture. And he said they, mm. they let it go and they decided it wasn't worth it. And so my point here is, I don't know who to blame, and I'm not saying it's any one person's or one group, and it's certainly not one category, but a lot of America's, Americans seem to have slipped and aren't, they don't necessarily care uh, to fight for, in my opinion, mm. an American culture as education. So yes, they'll say CRT is bad. Yes, there'll be a fight over 1776 versus 1619. But a lot of the basics, we've just slipped away from. And once, once you're away from it for a while, yeah. and it's not just the Pledge of Allegiance. That's you, you sort of lost something. And I guess you're saying you feel less depressed because you see a movement. I'm wondering if we lost a couple of generations and it's too far gone. Yeah, you know, well, this is a statistic that I think will really blow you away. And actually, this came out from CBS that, that right now the demographic that does the worst on the U.S. citizenship test is the demographic with the most formal education. It's those that are 18 to 45. And the group that does the best has the least formal education. It's those that are 65 and older. Uh, and again, it's this removal of substance, removal of civics, right? And I think the big testing establishment in America is really to blame, if we're going to look for somebody to blame. Who controls American education? Who controls curriculum, right? It's the big testing companies. They dictate drive. Whatever gets tested gets taught, right? And so College Board, Pearson, mm -hmm. ACT, and these are, are radical companies, radical. I mean, College Board is one, was run by David Coleman. He's one of the most radical, uh, <laughs> I mean, minds yeah. in America. And he was also the grand uh, architect behind the Common Core Standards. You look at what's being put right. in AP US, AP Euro. Um, you know, these are. This is not a tradition that sees beauty and exceptionalism in America's founding. I mean, Frederick Douglass looked at the American Constitution and he saw a work of, of of beauty that was a blessing to all people. And yes, of course, America has not lived up to our our our, our calling at times, but it's actually those founding documents that that call us back to be a, a great nation. But our students are it's not being presented that way uh, to our students and that, that's what it needs to change. Well, and, I, and I, it's um, I, I think that the most exciting thing about some of the of, of the pandemic crisis is it made people take another look at education. I think you and I talked about this in the middle of the crisis. Now coming out of it, you know, over in California, where my show originates, the radio show and it originates, Gavin Newsom just announced that all the kids going back to school need to wear masks. It doesn't matter that the CDC already said that no, all kids don't need to wear masks. California is going to go beyond that. They're not following the science. But my point is parents are up in arms. And so the good news is people People are getting upset and yeah. therefore they're looking critically they're looking critically at what to do um where, where give me give me the 30 seconds or a minute where should people go to find out more tell us more about your website give them encouragement where to, to learn more about what's happening yeah, I mean, homeschool, look at Christian school options, classical school options, Catholic options. Yeah, I mean, here you have somebody who wants to virtue signal by using kids 
having to wear a mask right. all day when actually following the science. He says, no, you don't need to. You don't need to do that, right? Texas is open long before right. anybody else, and numbers only drop, right? So, yeah, uh, right. uh, thanks again for, for having me on the program. Uh, our website is cltexam.com. Uh, our podcast is the Anchor Podcast. You can actually listen to a full podcast I did with Cornell West uh, just back in January. Uh, so, uh, thanks for what you're doing, and uh, I'm honored to be on the program. Well, thank you again, Jeremy Wayne Tate. I'll put it up on social media at Jeremy Tate 41. Also, uh, the uh, website at CLT underscore exam and CLT exam.com. Uh, thanks again, Jeremy. We'll talk again soon. Keep in touch. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. We usually hear a noisy outcry on the left at any suggestion of requiring a photo ID for voting. But you may be surprised to learn that some other democracies regard them as a necessity. Just look at Mexico, where the Federal Electoral Institute issues citizens a free photo ID known as a voter credential. The system was put in place 20 years ago as a response to widespread voter fraud in Mexican elections. Rules are very strict, and no exceptions are made for those who arrive at the polls without their ID. The agency makes no apologies for this. They say the system is necessary to restore confidence in elections after years of corruption. In the United States, you need a photo idea to drive a car, to check into a hotel, or to rent a movie. But we're told we cannot require photo IDs for voting. Liberals claim that photo ID laws would decrease voter turnout and create a burden for the poor. However, neither of these things has happened in Mexico. In fact, the free IDs have been beneficial to the country's poor because they now have identification they need for other situations. That's why former Atlanta mayor and civil rights activist Andrew Young supports voter ID laws in the U.S. so that poor minorities are provided with the ID they need to fully participate in American life. Mexico's laws have also increased confidence in the fairness of elections and thus increased voter turnout. A similar increase in voter turnout happened in Indiana and Georgia when those states implemented photo ID laws. If we don't require a photo ID at our U.S. polls, that doesn't make it any easier for people to vote. It just makes it easier for people to cast a fraudulent vote. From Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin. Election fraud has the power to destroy the America we know and love. Never again can we allow an election to be stolen. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find reasonable, workable strategies for assuring the integrity of every future election. Visit phyllisschlafly.com today. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. These great interviews we get uh, on the program, they're over at ProAmericaReport.com. Please go over and visit and uh, pass them on to others. Also on my social media, at Eagle Ed Martin. 
Ed Martin Live on Facebook, also uh, on Rumble and on Gab and on um, on uh, Parlor, and I'm getting on Getter. I'm not there yet, but we'll get all that done to you. So uh, great interviews. All right. Um, as we're wrapping things up, let's talk a little bit about um, some of what is happening in this great country of ours in terms of our border. We have a border crisis. And if you can believe it, we now have, and I'm going to get him on the show, Kyle Olson, a great reporter, a great writer over at Breitbart.com, has written a piece that describes how the border's open. If you show up at the southern border, you get you're giddy up. You're coming on in, especially if you show up with a kid. You know, they're just going to wave you through. You're going to go and catch and release. And so, you know, we're the, even if they catch you, they're going to say, oh, well, come back later for a hearing, and you never come back. Generally, that's where it happens. But they've now announced, except Haiti and Cuba. Haitians and Cubans, if you try to come in the legal way or any other way, except through the government, they're not going to let you. So if you're coming from other countries, you're allowed to come. In fact, if you're coming from other countries and you know the right buzzwords and you've been coached by the Soros-funded groups that are along the caravan route, they coach you on what to say. If you say the right words, you're going to be allowed to come into the country easily and no problem. You're going to be brought in. You get catch and release. But they announced, they actually had the gall to announce that if you're Haitian or Cuban, the, the department is not going to let you in. Now, I'm not sure of my opinion on that, but at least when you look at Haiti, you know they were killing. They killed the president, and they killed a bunch of, I think they killed a couple of other people, maybe his bodyguards. So there is some sort of murderous problem going on there. That's been widely reported. And, of course, in Cuba, there's at least protests, and the, the, the reports are that there are people being picked up and all. So you would think there were some people that were protesting the regime in Cuba that would have an argument to say, hey, can you let me come here to get protected? But no, we're going to suddenly draw a hard line on the people coming. This is crazy. This is crazy. I have to say one of the most destructive things of what's happening in the last few months is the uh, willingness of the media to not cover the story of the immigration, uh, the, the debacle at the border. It, it, it is so egregious now, it's so, and they're not covering it, and therefore it's not known about, and people aren't talking about it. And that's a disaster. It's really disastrous uh, for us as, in, as a nation to have these people, have these um, policies allowing people to come across the border unchecked, unchecked. And, you know, we've talked about it on the program over and over again. Lots of people have stories about um, anecdotes about this in different parts of the country. But the reporting on it, the best reporting is Todd Benzman of the Center for Immigration Studies. We're going to have him on, I think, later this week or next week to get an update from the border on what's going on. It's a national security crisis. It's a, it's a drug crisis. And it's a sex trafficking crisis. And it's a changing of America crisis. And we are not getting coverage of this crisis in our nation, it's getting ignored. It's getting ignored by the media, and because the media and big tech are so powerful, it, the ignoring of it makes it disappear. And so we are in the position where the story is disappearing because of the coverage, and it's probably the biggest story we have. The problem at the border, think about what I just said. We've got a problem of drugs, 
The fentanyl's coming in through the border. Other drugs are coming in through the border. We've got a problem of sex trafficking. You know, uh, people are bringing in young girls, young children. They're getting abused. We have a problem of national security. Bad guys. A few weeks ago, there was uh, foreign nationals who were on watch list trying to come through. And we have a problem of transforming America, not by our choice, but by the choice of the cartels who control the border and the lack of a border on our side. It's a terrible, terrible situation. And frankly, it will be one that is politically costly. Even though the media is ignoring it now, people, I think, will come to know it. And I think it will be, but it may be too late. Anyway, we'll see. Okay, I gotta run. Thank you, as always, to our great technical director and producer, Noah Dingley, also Joanna for booking our guests. Thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow. Visit ProAmericaReport.com. It's Ed Martin. Talk to you tomorrow. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.